Survival, episode 236. Mike Carpenter here in the basement studios on a beautiful Sunday. And you can probably tell from my voice, yes, I was at the game yesterday. And I want to try to start this podcast with the good news. And it is difficult for me to look at yesterday's game as anything but first and foremost, a really good time. And that might sound ridiculous coming from me because you know that I can be very critical. And we will be critical. There are things to be critical and certainly concerned about with what happened yesterday. But first and foremost, the atmosphere in the State Farm Center yesterday was as good as I've seen it. And, you know, maybe not to the sustained level that you had back in 04 when number one Wake Forest came to town. I mean, that's one of those you followed in the all-time category. Yesterday might have been that if they had gotten a win. But in terms of the atmosphere and this feeling that, man, this is what we kind of live for as Illini fans, that all came to fruition yesterday. The crowd was absolutely electric. And it really started from the moment that me and my friend Kenton walked into the State Farm Center. You could tell in the concourse there was a buzz. And then it actually started with the Star Spangled Banner, which was a violin, a solo violin performance. And then the crowd started singing along in this sort of somber hush. And damn if I didn't get chills. And I think a lot of people did. Kenton and I looked at each other like, whoa, (laughs) like... That was unusual and very, like, powerful. The game gets going, and you can tell that Arizona's good. And then, of course, there was the 19-0 run, and Trent Frazier, the the heroics that he had, one of the best individual performances I've seen in a long time as an Illini fan. And, yeah, you came up short, right? Ultimately, that's the thing that matters. And and it's a bummer because that would have been a cap on what was an otherwise perfect day and a perfect crowd and, and just a perfect environment. So it's hard for me today, as weird as this may sound, it's hard for me to be pissed or angry, certainly disappointed, I am, because it was right there for the taking and and also maybe anticlimactic. I think ultimately that was the feeling leading the stadium, was that you had this amazing buildup, and for the most part, that game lived up to its billing. And if you played Arizona 10 times at home, I bet you win four of them. I think that's how good Arizona is. If you played them on the road, I wouldn't like your chances at all. Um, But it just didn't, the way that it ended, right? Basically a five-second violation, which makes you want to pull your hair out because it's another in a long line of very shaky decision-making moments from the Salani team. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I sit here on the Sunday and I just can't be overly angry. Though we will be critical, and I think that there are some macro concerns, as my voice cracks for the first of many times, I presume, there are some macro concerns for this team. What are they? What can we reasonably expect from a team that, man, they can shoot? And yeah, they got Kofi Coburn, despite an off game by his standards. You are still a pretty good team. And in this Big Ten, I think you are going to make some noise. And boy, do we have some Big Ten things to talk about from yesterday. I mean, you know, you think you had a bad day. Go up to Ann Arbor. There's something amiss with that program. And not that schadenfreude alone is going to make me feel better after that Arizona loss, but Michigan losing at home by double digits to Minnesota, that helps a little bit. I don't mind that. Overall, though, this team, they're good. Are they great? No. Can they be? Yeah, I think so. I think when all is said and done, they have the chance to be that, but it is going to take a lot of things going right. And unfortunately, with the ever-decreasing depth that this team has, 
it's going to have all hands on deck for the seven or eight guys that you're going to see in the rotation because I'm not really sure if Andre Corbello is going to be a factor this year. We know that Austin Hutcherson is not going to be a factor because now he is out. And some of the guys that started the season strongly, namely Coleman Hawkins, I'm not really sure where that's going right now. So the good is good. The questions remain, though. And you are not going to get a lot of those questions answered in the next four weeks, or at least the next three weeks, because the schedule just won't really allow for that. There's not really any tough challenges until the Big Ten starts. And and in a way, I wish there was one more marquee game. I wish there was one opportunity to get a marquee non-conference win, which you don't have unless Notre Dame goes on to have a big season. And they did beat Kentucky at home yesterday. But what a weird start to the season. And and yesterday felt like, damn it, we were so close to really kind of putting the cherry on top of a crazy two-week resurgence. And while I don't think that resurgence is over, I do think that uh, it was a small bump in the road against a very good team where while there is no shame in losing to them, you certainly contributed to that loss as much as Arizona did. So let's get into it. Uh, before we do, DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. They can deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So go online and order a custom zone with any toppings you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or the Buffer Zone at dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com just in time for Christmas. And if you order now, you're probably going to be A-OK to get this stuff in on time. Fourth and Kirby has vintage-inspired Alani apparel, including T-shirts, crew neck sweatshirts, and a new hoodie just in time for basketball season. Go online to fourthandkirby.com. Also, Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com for all your home exterior needs. These guys are the best at what they do, expert craftsmen great customer service, and they are awesome citizens of Champaign-Urbana. You want good good dudes doing the work for you, right? You can trust them, and uh, living here in Champaign-Urbana, there are a few places that are as active in the community as Rector Construction. That is R-E-C-T-O-R Construction.com. Finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. That is Brian is my guy. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And thank you, listeners. It was a big week uh, for the two podcasts we've had already. And this one ending the week, the week that was in Illinois going one and one, could have been worse. You got the Big Ten win on the road. That helps. That will be a quad one win all year long. Arizona, dang that. You were were really close. And I wanted to start here with the box score. And there is the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll start with the good, though. Trent Frazier was absolutely phenomenal. 27 points, 9 of 15 shooting, 6 of 11 from 3, 4 boards, 1 assist, 0 turnovers. This guy was running point. He was playing uh, (laughs) amazing Trent Frazier defenses we've grown accustomed to. He was actually one of the few bright spots defensively. 1 block, 1 foul, 5 steals. Uh, Find me a better individual performance You'd have to go back to Io's triple-double last year, I guess, or his two triple-doubles. But, I mean, given the stakes and given the fact that he was not getting a ton of help from the supporting cast, you really need to give it up for Trent Frazier. That's an A-plus game. And he just played his ass off. My biggest regret for Illinois not winning yesterday was Trent Frazier not getting that win at home in front of that crowd. He deserves it more than anybody. You know, like, can you well with pride for someone that you've never met before? I mean, I kind of felt that way watching the game. 
And I think there was this kind of shared understanding in the State Farm Center that we were seeing a dude just play possessed. And that was impressive. Alfonso Plummer, overall, you know, impressive offensively. Eight for 16, 25 points, six for 14 from three, four boards, one assist. Five turnovers, though, including the one at the very end, the five-second violation. And whether or not you know of that call, which you got to know about it. I don't care that refs don't call it that much. You need to be aware. Kofi needs to come out and set the pick earlier. The whole thing, it starts with whatever play was drawn up, there has to be more urgency. I'm not sure what we were waiting for in the first place. Um, But he still has to move the ball. And he tweeted something out last night about, you know, I'm shaking my head. I can't believe that they called that. I'm paraphrasing. And that's fine. I mean, you can be bummed that they call something that they rarely do, but move. I don't understand the lack of urgency. That starts with coaching, but as a fifth-year player, he's got to know better. Five turnovers for not having to really run point. I I don't get that. I, I don't understand how that happens. Kofi, not great. 13 points, 5 for 15. He had a little moment in the second half, and I thought just as he was heating up, you had to keep going to him, and he kind of stopped. Maybe Arizona adjusted, and that had something to do with it. And, man, Coloco, an absolute load defensively for Arizona. And, you know, hey, Kofi, you probably will not face another interior defender that good this year, so that is the good news for you. But you needed him to step up bigger, and he did not. Five turnovers for Kofi. It's a bummer. DeMonte. We need to talk about DeMonte. Oh, wait, I'll give you one more good, right? One more good. 14 points for Grandison, um, five boards, three assists, no turnovers, efficient. Uh, A few missed defensive rebounds, which led to some offensive boards for Arizona, but I can't really complain about Grandison. He's, He's playing good ball right now. So that's the good, but those are the only four guys that scored. Four. Arizona, by comparison, how many did they have score? Seven. Yeah. Uh, that's unusual for Brad Underwood, Illinois team, especially in the last three years. Usually you have no problem kind of spreading the wealth, but offensively, four guys score, and then the rest of them go 0 for 3 for DeMonte, 0 for 3 for Coleman Hawkins, 0 for 2 for Payne. Melendez missed a shot. Luke Goody had some open looks but didn't take him. I wish he would have. I thought he was too passive. Shoot it, Luke. Be confident out there. Would not have minded him getting more tick, especially when Coleman Hawkins was just ineffective. Starting with Coleman Hawkins, I was, I'm going to save DeMonte for last year. Coleman is a mess right now. And I feel bad because you saw early in the season the potential and why Underwood and the staff is as high on him as they are. And as a fan, it was hard not to get really high on what Coleman Hawkins can do. He's got a rare skill set. He's got size and length and athleticism. But right now, for lack of a better phrase, I mean, he, he's playing stupid basketball sophomores tend to hit a wall. You know, the sophomore slump is a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It exists. And you're seeing teams adjusted to the early games. They got them on tape and they figured out what tendencies can you shut down. And now that they've done that, he doesn't really have an answer for that. However, the two turnovers, you know, when you aren't even really running point and and you didn't even play that many minutes, maybe he played 10, 11 minutes yesterday. I'd have to check that to see to make sure, but just mistake heavy basketball. And and you can't afford that. You know, I mean, there were moments in the game where just as you were kind of getting going and Coleman would either be a bad foul, he had three fouls on the day. He was really a non-factor, especially in the second half. uh, Or he would just uh, turn the ball over. And this is unfortunately a pattern that we're seeing. And I'm worried. I'm worried that, you know, basketball confidence, 
I think matters. And right now he's just not the most confident guy. How do you get him back? Well, you got a good stretch of games coming up for him to get back into the swing of things. You don't need him to be a star. I think earlier this year, I thought maybe that was the revelation. I even said on this very podcast, he might be your third best player. Whoops. (laughs) This is pre-Alfonso Plummer starting to make a lot of shots. uh, And Grandison too. But no, you just need him to be a role player. He needs to take the pressure off himself. And actually, the coaches need to help him do that. Uh, Omar Payne. You know... (laughs) Trent Frazier gave him a dime, and it, basically Omar threw the ball out of bounds. It, I don't want to really harp on these younger guys too much, but you're a D1 basketball player, and when you see things that are just objectively, huh, and you see them over and over again, you start to see why maybe he was not the hottest commodity in the transfer portal. There's talent. And there's size and athleticism, and he can play a little bit of defense, and he can get some rebounds, though he had, what, yesterday, one board. He's not very good. And the idea that he's going to be your backup, well, I don't know. What have we seen from Omar Payne? His best game was against Rutgers, where he got five boards and no points. He can't score. He has no offensive game. He's got no hands. He's a big guy. That's basically it. You got better minutes yesterday from BBV. And actually, I thought BBV stole some minutes where they brought him in defensively when Arizona had the two big guys out there playing BBV alongside Kofi, and it didn't work out terribly. I know he missed his two free throws, but overall, I really can't blame Benjamin Bosnan's Verdonk all that much. I thought that overall, he gave you better minutes than Payne, and for the most part, he has this year. And he's not even a basketball player, really. BBV is a big guy. He can play some defense, but he's really got no, I don't know, uh, there's no finesse offensively, that's for sure. And while I give the staff credit for finding this dude and, and, and developing him physically, you know, you really can't have him play significant minutes either. So you have a problem when Kofi's not on the court. You're really just stealing minutes when Kofi's off of it. And thank God we didn't have to go through a season without Kofi. I mean, if he was at Kentucky right now, we would have major problems. And, of course, that goes without saying. The freshmen, I thought they looked good um, in terms of energy. Would not have minded to see more of them. I thought, actually, they weren't going to probably do any worse defensively than some of the other guys were for you. So give them some tick. I'd like to see them or go smaller. You know, instead of fighting fire with fire, try to make Arizona play to you know, the five that you put on the court. It seems like maybe we were adjusting a little bit too much to the personnel for Arizona and not requiring them to do the same for us. Now, does Luke Goody and R.J. Melendez really change the formula for Arizona defensively or the five that they put out there? Maybe not, but I I really would like to see more of Goody and Melendez and not just because they're the new shiny toys. I really do think they're doing some good things out there. But DeMonte... Now, the story of the game, if we're going to go for negatives, and I want to get this out of the way so I can get into some of the positives and and, and the better takeaways from a game where you played probably the best team not named Purdue on your schedule. And yes, Purdue is still very good. But Arizona, when all things are said and done, might be even better than that. You might not play a team better than Arizona in the Big Ten. That is a possibility. DeMonte Williams has emerged as a good glue guy. And I know that's a stereotype that gets thrown around and basically that's saying well he's not great offensively but he really does do a little bit of everything and you want a guy like DeMonte on your team he does help out however 
he was a net negative yesterday, and that's kind of an understatement. If he's not making shots, then that's problem number one. But problem number two is when he is embracing this role as enforcer or agitator, whatever you want to call it. And at the worst possible time in that first half, when the, the building, the roof was about to blow off the place. I mean, my, this is, the reason my voice is the way it is, is because of how loud I and everyone around me was when we went on that 19 nothing run. It was one of the most fun three-minute stretches of basketball I've ever witnessed at the State Farm Center. And I'm sure there was the cathartic nature of post-pandemic getting back into that environment. I know that played a role in it, but this could have been a game 10 years ago and we would have been absolutely jubilant in the stands with a run like that against a top 10 team. But the air got sucked out of the place when DeMonte picks up that technical. First, an away from the ball foul and then a technical. Two fouls in one play. And yeah, ultimately, Arizona, they got the two free throw shots, right? They, were, they made both of those, and then you got to stop on the next defensive possession. So really, in terms of just points, that's minus two. But you lost by four. And in a game like that, every point matters. But more importantly than that, really, the rhythm of that game changed. The vibe changed. And it turned from, maybe we can blow the doors off these guys, to, uh, it's going to be a dogfight. Now, realistically... Even when you were up 11 against Arizona, you were not going to blow the doors off of them. But while maybe you weren't going to be able to put your foot on their neck, proverbially speaking here, you would have been able to at least maintain some distance. And you weren't able to do that. And unfortunately, DeMonte's, you know, and I think these are conscious decisions. I think this is, in his mind, this is the role that he plays. He doesn't have to, though. He does enough other things well that he doesn't need to be the guy from the late 80s bad boys. We, we don't need that crap. Because did it shake Arizona at all? No. And really, you know, just like Brad Underwood said, he called the team soft, and he said, print in all capital letters, softness, soft. There wasn't a lot of toughness for most Illini guys not named Trent Frazier, if we're being quite honest about it. I mean, it was a fun game. It was a close game. But it's not like DeMonte getting a technical all of a sudden infused the rest of his team with this energy to go out there and kick ass. Not how it happened at all. So it is very disappointing that in a crucial game like that, DeMonte picks up a tee. And we can go back to at Wisconsin last year. And fortunately, it was what, Alondo Tucker, I think, got the technical for Wisconsin and not DeMonte. But as Trice was going off and single-handedly making that game a little too interesting there at the very end, DeMonte could have picked up a stupid technical, and then all of a sudden we got a one-possession game or something. That cannot bite you in big games, and it did yesterday. Stop talking. You scored zero points. You were a non-factor yesterday. And at that point in the game, you were a non-factor. Don't talk crap to the opposing team. And really, I would say that even if he had 15 points in the first, like, you know, it doesn't really matter what a stat sheet was at the time. There was no point in doing that. Now, I had some people respond to that on Twitter last night and say, essentially, well, you know, this team needs to play with an edge. Listen, there's a difference between playing with an edge and also knowing where that line is so you don't get called for stupid technicals. And we can say, well, the Arizona guy was talking too. But again, you're a fifth-year player. You need to know how to navigate this. 
and not get called for the technical. And this goes back early in the year when Coleman Hawkins was talking too much trash. Technical. Andre Cribello talking too much. Technical. That's stupid. It's just stupid. And Underwood's got to reel that in. I, I appreciate the swagger. I do enjoy watching a team that, as opposed to the Gross era or the tail end of the Weber era, those guys were more difficult to root for because they just didn't really carry themselves with, with that chip on their shoulder or their swagger. And I think as an Illini fan, I do appreciate that. But again, there's a way to toe that line and not let it bite you. And in year five of the Underwood era, I'd like to think that they can figure out what that line is. It ain't difficult. Just don't get called for technicals. That's it. Jesus. What is so difficult about that? So, yes, it played a role in you losing that game. Now, there were plenty of other things that played a role in the game. It's not as if that alone was why you lost by four points to Arizona. But every damn point matters. And when you're scoring zero and then you're giving up two free points at a crucial juncture in that first half, not good. Unacceptable, actually. Yeah, more than not good. It's unacceptable. That is my rant against DeMonte. And, And listen, I like DeMonte a lot. So I say that almost like... I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. But actually, I am kind of mad about it. I am kind of frustrated, as you could probably tell. He still had five boards, three assists. You know, um, you, you could have had a, had a worse game for some of the other parts of DeMonte. But, you know, it, it's, it's this simple. You got to have more than four guys score. Coleman Hawkins has to do more. DeMonte Williams has to do more. Those six are... are your primary rotation right now. And then the freshmen are kind of, okay, well, depending on the matchup, you'll get some more Goody or more Melendez. You got the backup centers as well. But really, the six that matter on this team are Frazier, Plummer, Coburn, Williams, Hawkins, and Grandison. And I trust four of them right now. And those are the four guys that scored yesterday. You will only go as far as Coleman Hawkins and DeMonte Williams figure out their roles and add a little bit of offense. Not much, just a little bit. And actually, more importantly than the offense, now that I think about it, I mean, he scored 79 points yesterday. The offense has not been an issue, apart from the Cincinnati game. And really, if you want to take solace in what happened yesterday at the State Farm Center, this offense is really good. And are we going to shoot like that every game? Are we going to shoot 16 for 36 from three? (laughs) 36 three-point shots. But when you make 16 of them, who cares? I mean, 44% from three. But really, that's what this team is. They shoot 40% or better from three. So keep shooting them. And it is a very different offense now than it was three weeks ago. So take solace in the fact that this team is offensively going to be fun to watch for most of the year. It really will be. Defensively, though, when it comes down to those games where you shoot maybe 30% or less from three, are you going to be able to get the stops to win it? And yeah, you are not going to play a team as tough as Arizona maybe the rest of the year for all I know. But in these dogfights in the Big Ten where things are just not really going your way, you got to find the thing that last year's team did, which is getting those crucial stops. So where do we go from here? How good is this team? Arizona is a top 10 team, and they will remain so. In the Pac-12, they're going to get a bunch of wins. They might even compete with UCLA to win the Pac-12. So the unfortunate thing is kind of a missed opportunity for a win that is going to loom large for Selection Sunday. This doesn't hurt you. But a win like that might have been the difference between a four seed and a three seed or a three seed and a two seed, best case scenario. But now that I really reflect on yesterday's game and the season so far and also 
some nuggets from Brad Underwood's press conference. I think that this Illinois team is probably top 20, not top 10, maybe not even top 15, probably top 20. In this Big Ten, that's probably good enough to finish second or third. Look at what happened to Michigan yesterday. They lose at home to Minnesota. And I know that Ben Johnson is doing a hell of a lot better job at Minnesota than anyone would have predicted. And the transfers are working out okay. I mean, he's certainly got the transfer thing figured out better than Fred Hoiberg, though most do. But the Big Ten, outside of Purdue, and as we saw at Rutgers, I mean, how good is Purdue? They're probably going to make the second weekend the tournament, but do you really count on them to make a Final Four? No. Ohio State, EJ Liddell, and then what? I don't know. Wisconsin, Johnny Davis, and then what? Yeah, I don't know. And go down the list. I mean, Michigan State might be one of the better teams, but do you count on them to be a top 15 caliber team this year? They got enough new pieces where I can't. So in this Big Ten, you are still very good, all things considered. And you'll finish, I would think, in the top two or three. And you set yourselves up great here. Getting a road win at Iowa, not many teams will go into Iowa and win. So, that's fine. Now, is this team going to make a Final Four? Is this team going to win a national title? Like some of my best-case scenario predictions earlier this year. No, they probably are not. Um, now, when you shoot like they do, then maybe you get hot in the tournament, and you do make a deep tournament run. But And you got Kofi. I mean, don't let yesterday fool you. Kofi is still a fantastic basketball player who is going to be a terrible matchup for basically everybody from here on out. But... Top 20, right? Recalibrate expectations. And I'm okay with that, especially considering we don't know when or if Andre Cribello is going to take the court again. As Underwood said himself yesterday, it may be a while. Now, what is going on exactly? I mean, after effects from the concussion, you would assume, I mean, I know the mental health thing, I mean, that's been speculated about, and I mentioned that in the last podcast, and maybe that's irresponsible to do so. But at this point, until you see him on the court, I can't bank that he's ever going to be out on the court this year. And when he does come back, how effective is he going to be? You could have used him yesterday. You could have used him at Iowa. And while you won the game at Iowa, think about the press and how badly that was affecting you. You did adjust yesterday, and I, I thought it was much, much better um, breaking that press from Arizona to the point where they just kind of stopped, and they only did it uh, here and there. But Corbello would have helped. I think late in the game, the last four minutes, when you needed that one extra shot, I was worried that the legs weren't quite under Plummer or Frazier. I mean, they had to play damn near the entire game because you really do lack depth without Corbello. And that's going to hurt you. That's going to keep you from being truly great and truly contending for what you want to contend for. But as far as the Big Ten is concerned, you still got a shot. And you do get Purdue early enough in January where I think you can kind of dictate the Big Ten race a little bit if you get a nice head start here. And as I look at the schedule for Illinois at Minnesota, which all of a sudden, whoa boy, like maybe Minnesota's not bad. I mean, you don't go into Michigan like that. Even Michigan, I know they've struggled, but you don't do that unless you're solid. So maybe Ben Johnson has figured that out. All of a sudden, that's not a gimme. But then you get Maryland and at Nebraska. All things considered, even at Minnesota on January 2nd, you could do far worse. That's not all that difficult. And I still think even after Minnesota wins at Michigan, you need to win that game. And you need to be 5-0 and when Michigan comes to town on Friday, January 14th. And you can dictate the Big Ten race on Friday the 14th of January and then Monday the 17th against Purdue. 
you can set the tone right then and there. I would love for them to do that. It's possible. Um, but ultimately, though, this is a top 20 caliber team, not top 10. And I'm okay with that when you consider that Corbello may not be a factor at all this year. It's kind of a bummer if I would have went back two months from this moment and told October 12th version of myself, hey, um, here are a few things you need to know about this team. One, Austin Hutcherson is not going to be a factor at all. And am I surprised about that? No. I mentioned in podcast two months ago that if he makes any impact, that's a bonus. You just can't count on a guy that has that many injuries. Well, now he's got an athletic hernia and he's out. And I would assume his Illini career is over. You cannot be wasting a scholarship on a guy that can't see the court. And if he can, and he is able to leave after this year, don't recruit him to stay. You got to let him go. You got to go get someone that can actually contribute. And then Andre Crabello being the question mark that he is, if he ever is going to come back this season, or if he maybe redshirt him, if this is some sort of lingering effect that you cannot fix. I would have been bummed being told that two months ago. And even as I sit here right now, you know, while I like what I do see from this team overall, and I think that this team, as presently constructed, can figure things out and be really dangerous and maybe have a shot at winning the Big Ten. Maybe they could. It's not that all-time Illini team, right? It's not that thing that I thought they were going to be. And, and that part, if I think too much about it, is a bummer. You know, this unfulfilled expectations, though, maybe it's not about unfulfilled expectations. It's just that we really had to recalibrate based on personnel. You know, these are things that you can't anticipate. Injuries are going to play a factor on any team. I tell you another thing that's going to play a factor. Look at the Chicago Bulls right now. Zach Levine is now out. Io yesterday got COVID. They have nine players out with COVID. I really hope that the guys in the locker room for Illinois all got boosted. Because somewhere, somehow, in the Big Ten, the race will be impacted by COVID. No one's going to get sick and die from it. But the way that the things are set up, if you test positive, you're going to be out for 10 days. And if a crucial guy on a team gets COVID, or if one guy gets it, chances are, as close as these guys are, a few more are going to get it. And that could really kill a team's chances of winning the Big Ten. So get boosted, guys. Especially, like right now, you got a bunch of scrubs coming up. Get boosted now so the Big Ten season, we're the ones staying healthy. And maybe the other teams in the Big Ten are not. And if this turn, if that turns anybody off, it's like anti-vaccine or something. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm, I'm taking the approach that I want this team to stay healthy by any means necessary. So that is not some sort of controversial vaccine take. I just don't want this spreading through the locker room during a crucial stretch in January. Imagine if this Michigan and Purdue game, you know, we're looking forward to it so much and for good reason. Or Michigan State at home or Ohio State at home. We had a great home schedule, by the way. Good Lord. I mean, most every awesome Big Ten team comes here culminating in Iowa at the end of the year, a game that you should win on that final Sunday of the Big Ten season. But I don't want any of those moments to be rendered less awesome because someone catches COVID. That would just suck. That'd be a bummer. I mean, and this whole thing is so fatiguing anyways, and I think that's why yesterday at the stadium, you had this collective feeling amongst the 16,000 people there. Let's go. You know, it was a big release. I think that's when that 11 nothing run by Trent and the 19 nothing run by the team overall felt so damn good is because – we had been building that up since the Iowa game back in March 2020. We hadn't had that opportunity to really cut loose. 
And, oh, man, sorry, I just had to reflect. I mean, chills just thinking about that place and how damn loud it was during that moment. Yeah, don't let COVID derail your season, please. (laughs) And derail a season, I mean, that could be a a crucial guy just being out two weeks. This team, especially right now, lack of depth. And I I do think lack of depth is unfortunately an issue with Curbelo out and Hutcherson going to be out as well. Um, You can't afford it. So don't get sick. Don't do it, please. Okay, uh, what else here with this team? As I, as I look forward to the rest of this year in the Big Ten, right now it is really Purdue's conference to lose. And Michigan is kind of a, a puzzling case where you, you look at them, they're probably going to finish top five based on talent alone, but their backcourt isn't really good. They got good interior guys. You got Eli Brooks, and that's fine. You got enough good players where you'll probably finish in the top five on that alone in what I consider to be a weaker Big Ten. I I know that people sing the praises of the Big Ten every year, and yes, the Big Ten won the Big Ten ACC Challenge, but do any of us really buy the fact that the Big Ten's going to stop the national title drought this year? I don't. And I'm not just saying that based on what happened to Purdue, uh, when, when Purdue played at Rutgers. It's not just about that. It's the fact that, you know, based off of what happened last March, there's been nothing this year so far to indicate that the Big Ten's any better. So why would I believe they're actually going to make noise in the tournament? And that includes Illinois, right? I mean, things could go right. You get good matchups and all that. But ultimately, are you going to win a national title or make a Final Four? Probably not. And then elsewhere in the Big Ten, you look at teams like Wisconsin that were kind of giving the impression that, oh, great, great guard figured it out. And then they just totally suck in the second half against Ohio State. Yes, Johnny Davis is good. Of course, they found another player that just goes from okay to really damn good. They seem to do that quite a bit. But they got no interior presence. I'm not worried about Wisconsin. I'm not worried about Ohio State. EJ Liddell and a bunch of dudes. Michigan State, intriguing. Not quite as worried about them. And you get them at home before you get them on the road. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I think that... This conference will probably find six or seven teams in the NCAA tournament, and you're looking at what for that? Uh, Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, that's five. Wisconsin, Iowa, Indiana, those two teams that I just mentioned there might be the borderline ones. Minnesota right now would be a tournament team, if you can believe that. But Penn State, Rutgers, Northwestern, Nebraska, Garbage. Maryland, no. I'm... So you got a chance, right? You got a chance. And I think if this team is going to do something that has a lasting impact for this program, it would be somehow raising a Big Ten title banner. And I think we'll know a lot about that by January 17th. Okay, before we get out of here, uh, just a quick look now at the schedule, because I think after that Arizona game, we can, having recalibrated our expectations and understanding that this team while they are good, they are flawed, is that good enough to make noise uh, within this conference? And if so, how much? You know, the stupidity quotient, we can call it. You know, I was texting with Trevor and Isaac during the game, and Trevor had to watch it from home, but I know he was pulling his hair out watching this team make, yet again, way too many silly decisions. That's what ultimately is going to keep this team from being great. But because they shoot well and because they got Kofi, that might be enough to withstand it. In this conference, and as I look at it, at Minnesota, Maryland, and Nebraska to start the season, uh, to start, I should say, the 18-game Big Ten stretch on January 2nd, if you win all three of those, I would put 
the chance of Illinois winning a Big Ten title at about 40, maybe even 50%. Getting off to a 5 nothing start like that, including what would then by that point be three road wins. And yeah, that's at Minnesota, at Nebraska, at Iowa. But you can really get a leg up by getting those road wins. As you see Purdue lose on the road to Rutgers, and they'll lose a few more games on the road. They might not lose a single game at home, right? I think that's fair to say. But they could lose four or five games on the road, and then a 15-5, and five, can you somehow match or maybe even better that at 16-4? and four. Start 5-0 and oh in conference, then we can have a discussion. And then from there, you really get the gauntlet with Michigan at home, Purdue at home, at Maryland, Michigan State at home. That's the first gauntlet, so to speak. And then you have Wisconsin, at Indiana, at Purdue, another one. And then finally, at Michigan State, uh, Ohio State at home, and at Michigan. So you have these three-game stretches, but there's not really a sustained stretch in this Big Ten Conference schedule for Illinois where you look at like seven or eight games in a row and think, oh, God, you better... Hope you can go four and four or five and three if you want to keep your title hopes alive. I really like the way that this thing is stretched out here. And because you get Purdue and Michigan at home early, I love that. I love the fact that you can set the tone in mid-January and, and kind of make it your conference to lose. Now, this is probably a premature discussion to have given just how stupid this team can be. And, you know, not to harp on that too much, but good Lord, walking out of that stadium last night you know, for as fun as that game was, I, I almost was maybe trying not to think about how stupid some of the things were because that actually would have pissed me off. And then for Trevor, unable to really enjoy that atmosphere and, and the good parts of it, if I were to have been watching that game on TV at home, I would have been livid, probably more livid uh, with the five-second call, let's say, as an example, than I was at the stadium where we were all just sort of shell-shocked and like, huh? You know, you're walking kind of dazed out to the car and thinking, did, that, did we just lose the game on a five-second violation? Um, you know, we didn't really have time to process it while we were there. But all that said, the stupid quotient remains in play. And, and I really wish that Underwood would figure that thing out. Because in year five, this team is too damn old to be making some of these mistakes. Too damn old. And yet they continue to make some of the same routine mistakes over and over which are really handicapping their ability to win. But here's the thing, right? If they just scale back the stupidity a little bit, just a little bit, they're going to win a ton of games in the Big Ten. A ton. And maybe that only results in a four seed in the NCAA tournament. But I don't know. I remember the days where I grew tired of four seeds with Bill Self and Bruce Weber's first year and thought, will we ever get better than a four seed? Hey, if those are the days that we're returning to, I am all for it. I'm not going to complain about that one bit. But you really can find yourself all the way down to a six seed or a seven seed, God forbid, an eight seed, if you continue to do some of these routinely silly things. And I don't want this season to be one of those that we look back on two things. One, it never came to fruition because Corbello didn't play. And unfortunately, that's still out there right now. And then the other, this season never really came to fruition because they just were not a smart basketball team. Now, because it's only December 12th as I record this, that can be cleaned up. I think there are parts of this team that are ahead of where last year's team was at the same point. But I also know that last year there were still moments in crucial games late where you're like, what are you doing? Especially, and of course, the Loyola game looms large, but um, I, I, it just sort of uh, is, is like a cloud just kind of hanging over everything, you know? 
you you keep waiting. Even when you're playing really well, you keep waiting for that really crucial mistake. I'm afraid that that is still hanging there right now. And I also think for home crowds, I mean, they're great and they're going to be there for Michigan and Purdue and plenty of other games this year. That stadium is really electric. But when it gets to late game situations, I think there is still this inclination we have as fans that, uh uh-oh, you know, is it going to be like Maryland and Michigan State last year? Arizona, you can kind of lump that game in with those two. Ah, so close, but didn't quite close it out. Or are you going to turn it into, let's say, the... Um, stretch that you had last year with Iowa at home, Wisconsin at home, um, or even go back two years ago when you beat Indiana and Iowa at home to end the season. I don't want us to have to wait for those moments where the team finally figures out how to avoid the silly decisions and close these games out at home. And if you go back two years ago, it really took until mid-February, late February to figure that out for the big home games. When you look at last year, there were no fans in the stands, so you can't really use that as too much of a model. But by the time Iowa came to town in late January, you figured it out. The question is, can you figure it out enough by mid-January to get those big home wins and really kind of set the pace in the Big Ten? If so, this season could still be very memorable. Without any sort of national title talk, I, I think we can put that firmly in the back burner for now, but you really still have a lot of destiny in control here, and of course you do. It's only December 12th. But the way that this conference and this schedule is laid out, there are things out there for the taking as long as you don't get in your own way. And that kind of seems to be the takeaway from the Arizona game. When things are going good, they're good. Until you get in your own damn way. So quit doing it. I know it's not that simple. I mean, Arizona, for all we know, a lot of why Illinois made some of those decisions yesterday was based on Arizona being really good. They forced you into some uncomfortable positions. And for the most part, you responded well. I mean, there were moments in that game where I thought, well, how are we leading this game? Because I looked at Arizona and thought, that's a really good team. They're better than we are, right? I I think we would all firmly agree that Arizona is a little bit better than this Illinois team, if not a decent amount better. But being a home game and being the fact that you made some threes, that probably kept you closer. And you did answer some punches, but man, every time that you could have really put that game away or maybe even late when you could have taken a two-possession lead in the last five minutes, instead, you kind of shot yourself in the foot. Quit doing that. And I do think that for the most part in the Big Ten, there's not as many teams that are going to force you into those uncomfortable positions as Arizona did yesterday. So, If I sound like I'm going back and forth here in this podcast, and I feel like it's probably not my best effort, right? I feel like I'm kind of going a little bit left and a little bit right, a little bit up, a little bit down, and not quite settling on anything. But that's because this team, it's kind of unsettled right now. You know, and not in a bad way, but I think that there are still so many questions about, well, how good are they? Or uh, what do we really have to worry about with this team? That I think as fans, we're just kind of figuring, okay, well, this thing could go really any number of ways. I know how I want it to go, you know, and I think that that's still out there, but um, there's going to be that sort of leeriness as we watch some of these games, whether or not they actually can put it all together for 40 minutes. And you aren't going to find out in the next three weeks playing Florida A&M, Missouri, <laughs> uh, St. Francis. These, these next three games are not going to really tell the tale. All right, that is it for this episode of the 200 Level, brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, go on to dpdoe.com. Oh, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. 
That is dpdo.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Vintage inspired Illini apparel just in time for Christmas. So order online at fourthandkirby.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life auto home business renters, you name it, brianismyguy.com. And finally, Rector Construction online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for all your home exterior needs. This is basically a 12-month-a-year thing now. And by the way, we know the winters are probably going to be more mild anyway. So, hey, give them a call today. Get a free estimate at rectorconstruction.com. Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. Thank you all for listening. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't really sure how to really get into this podcast. And again, it might not have been my best effort, but I'm still kind of racking my brain and trying to figure things out. Maybe what we'll do is come back mid this week when the dust has settled and the emotions have cooled and and we see a little bit more basketball, though it will be a quiet week. Finals week is always kind of a dud of a week for college basketball, but maybe we'll do more of a uh, look at the Big Ten in general because while these next three games are sort of whatever, they're kind of placeholders for Illinois, we really are eyeing what happens when they start again on January 2nd at Minnesota. So we'll maybe take a deeper dive into that later this season or this week. And also... This weekend, the O one team is back in town. I, I sent Corey a, a tweet message and just made sure that he was going to be back. And it sounds like most of that team is going to be back. So that's going to be pretty cool to see them at the State Farm Center on Saturday. Maybe my favorite team other than 0405, of course. But man, that O one team was just absolutely tough as nails and will always be uh, one of my favorite alumni teams. So cool that they get the recognition they deserve. All right, everybody. Uh, in the meantime, um, thanks for tuning in. It's a bummer they didn't win yesterday. I really wish this could have been a celebratory podcast, though I think we'll have other opportunities for those later this season against really good Big Ten teams. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your weekend. A beautiful, sunny, and not super windy. God dang, that was obnoxious. Sunday afternoon, and uh, we will see you later this week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and see you soon. It is the 200 level.